to another episode of Saints and Sinners Unplugged. I am Ken Jones, joined by our regular co-host. We have Jose Prado and Aldo Leon and David Menendez. We are four local pastors in South Miami, and we get together each week at this time to discuss various aspects of reformational theology, uh, the life of the church, historical theology, etc. Um, good to see you guys. Good to Likewise. see you, again. David, Aldo. Yeah, we've been, um, we, we recently had an interview, great discussion with John Fonville, old friend, and uh, we've been discussing uh, eschatology from a broader perspective, looking at uh, the idea that eschatology is more than just the end, but it is something that is an ongoing, un, a progressively unfolding uh, category. And in that same vein, I wanted to kind of talk about uh, the church. And we've, uh, in the past, we've talked about the church as an eschatological entity. And so when we flesh that out, um, we want to look at that, what, what that means in terms of the constitution of the church, the life of the church, and especially worship. And the one word that always comes back to me, and I something that I find missing in a lot of um, a lot of worship, and that is a sense of transcendence. That the church, there's something transcendent. It should be something transcendent about our gathering because we are we we we're sort of in that that already not yet. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and so we we extend beyond our present physical circumstances. And so let me give you an idea of what I mean by this. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul refers to the church as those to whom the end of the age has come. So in that sense, we are part of this present world. And in the past, we've interacted with Jesus' words in John 17, you are in the world, but not of the world. So let's kind of unpack some of that. What does it mean to be uh, of the age that is yet to come or that uh, the end of the age has come upon us? In fact, later in chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul, when he warns them concerning uh, the Lord's Supper, and he tells them that when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we're not receiving the judgment that will be uh, that, that unbelievers will receive in essence. So let's kind of interact with that idea of the church being a part of of of, an, of the age to come, even as we interact in this present age. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, the words in Hebrews that we are receiving an unshakable kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I would, uh, and then also the words of Paul in to the Corinthians. Uh, Look not to the things that are seen. So I think uh, maybe a distinction, categorical distinction ought to be made between things that are that can be shaken, things mm -hmm. that can be seen, things that are temporal, as opposed to things that cannot be shaken, that cannot be seen, and that are eternal. So in that regard, I think the church and what God has uh, given us in Christ as the new creation, the new community that is destined for eternal realities and kingdom, that is not of this world which is passing. Now, with, with that, because I, I think that's, that's spot on in terms of what we're talking about. So, number one, what does that mean for us as, as a church? That because obviously one way that, that can be confused is to say that we, and when we've touched on this, uh, when we talked about two kingdoms. So if we, it's, it's easy to have a, a sort of a, a separatist view that we don't have anything to do with anything that is temporal. Right. Uh, what, so, so it's easy to confuse in that way. So yeah. what do we mean when we say that we are concerned about those things that yeah. are eternal and unseen? I think Paul makes a, he uses this expression, which is, uh, I think it's loaded with meaning when he talks about what we boast in. And mm. I think uh, uh, things that are eternal, that cannot be seen and cannot be shaken, uh, have reference to our ultimate hope 
boasting, celebration, joy, and worship. In other words, I would say that in the temporal, we still celebrate, rejoice, work, function. But when it comes to the ultimacy of our hopes, the ultimacy of what we're waiting for, and where we have pinned our ultimate expectations, they are mm-hmm. not in things temporal, which which actually is a release. It's mm. a release because now we're not holding on with ultimacy to things of this world, and we can tackle them and live in them and celebrate with a measure both of sobriety on the one hand, and a number two with a measure of self forgetfulness in a way, self. Um, um, you know, we can just um, give ourselves to task knowing that they're not, they don't have ultimate significance in a well, way. It, well, in, in the past, I know we've talked about confusing the kingdoms and how that plays out in terms of the life of the church. So given what you just said, uh, David, about understanding and being grounded in yeah. the eternal things, which is the responsibility of the church, so for that reason, it is all the more important that the content of our worship when we gather should serve a twofold purpose. Number one, it should strengthen the believer in their faith, which yeah. better equips them to deal with the temporal things. So it's not that we, we don't have anything to do with those things that are temporal. Yeah. But if if everything is if if we are grounded in yeah. our union with Christ and all that implies, yeah. then that should give us a different perspective in dealing with these temporal right. things. For example, practically, I think what's happened is that we have elevated and, and let's tackle different dimensions. We have elevated psychology to ultimacy. Then we have all our hopes <clears throat> for relief and for self-realization, fulfillment, and healing based on psychological premises and hopes and expectations. We could do the same down the list. We have pinned all of our expectations socially and politically. Hence, you know, we have, that's a track that we go. So we, we infuse all that into the church worship service and content. And these are not ultimate things. We need to be sustained by the ultimacy of the kingdom so that we can better be grounded in the things that are temporal and be of some helpfulness and use. Yeah, I think uh, uh, another way to say uh, how we uh, categorize and understand um, eternal things and and um, and temporal temporal things is to say that. Um, when it comes to what the church is institutionally about, we're about consummation and, and transformation. Um, but everything else is, can only be about preservation. Um, mm-hmm. There will be no consummation of anything else. There will be no glorification of anything else. So when it comes to wherever, whatever we think about uh, in, in common realms, it, it, the best we could do is to, um, see it as a means to be preserving common good, but not consummating or perfecting common good. And so, well, the, go go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, well, the, and and the, the thing is, uh, when the second that you begin to talk about things that are not in union with Christ, um, and not uh, participating in in uh, the eschaton through the means of grace. Um, as being consummated uh, or, or, or regenerated or transformed, um, you immediately are starting to embrace uh, a Pelagian kind of worldview whereby there can be these Christological yeah. ethics and realities of you know, things that are not uh, in union with Christ yeah. and participating with them. So. Yeah, it's it's preservative versus consummative. It's you know, that's a great. Yeah, th- that's a great framework. I find that very helpful, Aldo. Um, that's the best that we can hope for, and when we don't, then we end up really running roughshod over things. Um, for example, yeah. we hear we hear in James, um, the wrath of men does not work. <laughs> 
the righteousness of God. So mm-hmm. that's on the one hand. In other words, we are known by our joys and our wrath. What do we get really happy and boastful about and celebrate? And what do we get really angry and upset and mad about and fight against? When we elevate temporal things to those levels, well, there it goes. There goes your worship, and it becomes idolatrous. Well, you, you make a good point in referencing James. Uh, that's one of the things that James is, is arguing throughout that book, and especially in chapter 4, yeah. when he basically says they are trying to be friends with the world. And so, therefore, they've brought uh, a, a mindset or a view and and actually, they are viewing one another as well as their neighbors through the lens of the world rather than through um, the word of God. And yeah. something uh, to go back to uh, Aldo's point about transformation, that's a key because usually when we speak of transformation in a lot of uh, evangelical circles, the tendency is to think that the role of the church is, is transformative of the culture. Right. That's where the confusion yeah. comes in, that, <laughs> that it's our job to transform the culture when, in fact, uh, it's it's transformation as a backdrop, which is the basis for our church for church discipline, yeah. because we're not trying to transform <laughs> the culture, but we are to be transformed ourselves within the covenant community for yep. the glory and service of God. Yep, that's a great disclaimer. In other words, it's not transformation of the culture, of society, of those outside that that this new uh, kingdom and spiritual reality is about, but it's within uh, the organization uh, of the church. So um, James was not looking for the government to be impartial, but for church members to be right. impartial. Right. We're not looking for. We're not looking to go out and exercise this influence and power to change the structures. But they were wanting to change by the power of the gospel. The table. When we sit at the table, what's going on here? Who are we? What defines us? What do we celebrate? What makes us sad? So these well, are things. Yeah. Well, and 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 to that, uh, going back to James, part of the problem is they were seeing one another and others through cultural lens rather than as brothers and sisters in the Lord or as image bearers of God. One of the things that he says in chapter three is that with the tongue, you praise God, but then you curse one who is created in his image. And sometimes if we're not careful, when we get co-opted by causes or sometimes political platforms, that we see people and we speak of people Uh, in terms of blue and red, in terms of black and white, and in terms of categories and labels that are, you know, that where the culture gives us, I guess, whoever your source is, it gives you the the right to speak in a a dismissive way about a person, uh, whether it's their ethnicity, whether it's their uh, politics or whatever. And we as the covenant community are to see people a as image bearers of God and they are our neighbors or they are our brothers. It doesn't mean that they may not be guilty of some things that we, that are inconsistent with God's law, but we still must always see them through the categories of the covenant community rather than as, you know, it's okay to talk ill about this person or to be dismissive over this group. Because yeah. of the programming we've received throughout the week. And it even frees us to engage then socially and politically. Because I am not driven by an ultimate utopia. Right. I am not driven or informed by premises that are inconsistent with what I know in my heart and mind and my expectation to be an eschatological reality. So I am driven really by pragmatic, by pragmatics of what could be possible on the ground. What can be achieved when I meet neighbor within frameworks that are helpful and healthy for one another, informed obviously by the law of God, but not in any way bringing expectations of law of God and ethics to be brought to bear upon them, but to seek the good in a pragmatic way. To see what is possible rather than when I elevate this sense of utopia, and premises that are really anthropologically 
eschatologically as a religion, man, I'm going to destroy my neighbor. I'm going to consume and devour and destroy. Because if you get in the way of that, then I need to bring my wrath to bear upon you. Mm. Well, yeah, I, think, I see one of the, one of the things that I see in James, you know, is is it's not just that they saw horizontally, um, you know, they 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 looked at neighbor through through their own cultural lenses, but they also looked at God through their own cultural lenses. And, oh, and even when James, when James in chapter four is addressing why there are quarrel, quarrels among them, yeah. uh, the reason why there's quarrels among them oh. is the reality that when they look at their uh, uh, at their vertical relationship with God, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they see it in the same way that pagans see the relationship yeah. with their gods. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and so God is about, uh, making much of them, you know, yeah. God is about, you know, uh, answering their selfish, adulterous prayers, Man, yeah, uh, yeah. that are all about, you know, what, what I want and my passions, right. That has tremendous implications. And, and so, you know, the, the, when we see the ultimacy of Christ, you know, mm-hmm. and really, and that's why we need the, the, the community uh, of believers and the gathering of the believers is because it is there where we are supposed to, yeah, you know, exactly. continually yes. uh, be looking to the ultimacy of Christ. Right, right. So, so when we get co-opted by the world and its cultural and other allegiances and structures that are temporal and passing, then we co-opt God into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then God is on our side and not in yours. <laughs> there is no thought that God could possibly be for and on the side of the enemy's camp. That was Israel, was it not? Yeah. I mean, how, how can the prophet come and tell us to surrender to the Babylonians? That is, a, there's no way right. that God could be pleased with that. Right. There's no way that God could be pleased with, you know, a particular nation um, against another one. You know, uh, th- th- those are the categories that we're functioning in that are categories uh, that uh, were of the elementary, I think, um, uh, a- a- age in a sense, or let's say the old covenant in a way. What do I mean by that? We hear in Hebrews that we have not come to Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. So Mount Sinai was a geopolitical category. And, and back during their, their time, right? God was on the side of Israel during conquest, expansion, exile, uh, until exile. But now we have come to Mount Zion. And Mount Zion is a covenant of grace by which God tells all the nations of the world, be reconciled for I'm reconciled to the world in Christ. Well, well, that, that changes everything. But, but And that, that brings up something that I wanted to focus on is, and, but I mm-hmm. want to, at first I want to touch on something you mentioned, Jose, and mm-hmm. which I think is great that not only horizontally is James addressing Christians who are, looking at one another and engaging one another according to the thought patterns of our fallen nature, which is reinforced by the world, but also approaching God in that way. And I love when when he says that you pray, but you pray amiss. And the word that's translated there as amiss is disease. And God does not honor that prayer. This is because you only spend it on your own lust. So their view of God and their view of spiritual things has been infected by their worldliness. And, and that's, that's uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's huge for a lot of people that we still approach God in the same way that the pagans approach their God. And we, we, we have, uh, um, we have a, a, a man-focused understanding of God. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, think, I think that's important because you know, uh, you know, w- when we talk about the transcendency of the church, mm-hmm. uh, we it's so important for us to uh, realize that the reason why the church is transcendent is because of its union with the transcendent one. You know, it's it yeah. it, it is the transcendency of Christ uh, and our union with Him that really makes the 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 community of the saints uh, this. Uh, uh, a community like no other, you know, in, in the world. And, and that's important because uh, I, I do think that a lot, 
I think a lot of a lot of churches do feel that, you know, there's, you know, oh, you know, the church is important and the church is mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's an ultimacy about the church. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times uh, it's connected to what the yeah. church does, right. Uh, right. the importance of, uh, right. you know, how the how, how the body functions and, and all these things. But no, really, what makes us transcendence is, yep. is, is our union with Christ. Yeah. 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 And, he, and, he, and even and even uh, when you think about passages that 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 kind of uh lead into like the 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 consummation in the end um like like ephesians one it talks about the the administration of the fullness of time the summing up of all things in christ mm-hmm. that that's saying that until until everything is rewritten specifically into the christ person and narrative um only then will all reality reflect uh the character of god so now there's that's being experienced in um in in, in, with those who are summed up we are we are those who are recapitulated summed up in christ that's 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 who we are in the church but when you talk about the cosmos and everything outside of the church it's only an when everything, everything that exists is summed up, it's rewritten, re-understood, rearranged around Christ's narrative of rescue, will the administration of the fullness of time be experienced? Um, and so, and yeah, there, 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 is, there, there is no utopia um, outside of being summed up in Christ. Outside of being summed up in Christ, you have a Romans 13 uh, punish wrongdoers and force externals, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, 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 that's, and yeah, but in that, in that same vein and, and the two areas that we want to cover specifically would be the church's prophetic function and then also worship as reflecting that transcendence. But to uh, the point that you just made there, Aldo, I, I, I think um, when, we, when we understand and connect people to the reality of our union with Christ, and that becomes the lens by which we interact with one another, and then the world, then we're not trying to, uh, we're not looking for a utopia. But we would understand what our duty is to our neighbor. So we're always, even though it's not, it's, it's never the end. It's, it's never, uh, like you said, it's, we're, we're not going to fix any nation, any, any community, any city that will make it part of the consummation. But we still have an obligation. And this is where that disconnect comes in when people hear us talk about transcendence. The old saying of uh, Christians are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. No, we should we should be engaged in in helping and in serving, but we know that these things are passing away. We, we we know that there is no ultimacy in the institutions of man. There's no ultimacy in the kingdoms of man. But God still rules and reigns over all of history, and He has equipped us to be ambassadors of the eternal kingdom. And so our engagement with the world, well, while we're not trying to transform it, we are trying to help. We are serving as best we can. And so I do think yeah. it's important for us to unpack those two realities when people come into uh, our, our services. <clears throat> we should connect yeah. them to reality of what is ultimate. Yeah, I, I guess I would just say, and this is and this is where like I think uh, people differ is I, I don't think the church is institutionally supposed to um be advancing common good in society i think christians right as a part of society exactly uh, that's what i'm saying i i think one of the things that that, that, that christians struggle with is they don't realize that god actually the common grace exists yeah. um and he he rules with natural law uh and 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 unregenerate image bearers mm-hmm. um and he actually does common good 
through those institutions. But the way we think, it's like, no, we, we have the gospel. We have the Holy Spirit. Our institution can be the mechanism to bring about common good. But yes. the thing is, God didn't put you on this earth no. to advance common good. He, he put you on this, on this earth to advance eschatological good. And eschatological good is related to common good because we still, we still exist in both these realms, you know? Um, but uh, if I want, for example, it, let, let's just be very specific. Um, if, if homestead schools um, are, are uh, in need of, of change, uh, if, if, you know, if, certain, if certain communities and, and homestead are in need of change, um, that's not my institutional role to, to be the, the, the catalyst, but, but if people in Homestead that come to know Christ, uh, redemptively, um, they exist in schools, they exist in boards, they exist in neighborhoods. Um, they are free under those good common grace institutions to operate in a lot of their eschatological saving grace uh newness um but but to, but to say that um reconciled church or i'm not reconciled church no more i'm pineless church uh we right, it, is our, about it that. is it is it is our i'm gonna have, i'm gonna mess that up a lot uh pineless presbyterian church um it is our institutional um uh, endeavor to bring about a uh, common good. Um, I, I would disagree. So if someone does, you know, if someone, if someone does those things, I think they are legitimate so far as they are in the sphere of common realms. Um, but the second you begin to, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like <laughs> Jesus says, go in the world and baptize, uh, and make disciples. Right. It doesn't say go baptize and disciple um, schools, baptize and 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 disciple um, polit- po- political uh, empires, baptize right. and disciple. You know, it's and so there's a very specific, very unique realm. Um, but the distinction we... that you make, Aldo, is one that a lot of Christians don't make, and that is mm-hmm. institutional versus individual. And this yeah. is why, to your point, to to enlarge on that. Um, I don't think it's necessary, nor should we, as, as, as churches or Christian leaders, go and lay hands on the governor and pray over mm-hmm. him. We are commanded to pray for those yeah. who rule and those who govern. But there is nothing—what we end up doing is trying to sanctify individuals and institutions that are outside of the covenant kingdom— and treating it as if it's eternal. And this is it, this is uh, what goes to the point that we wanted to make about the prophetic function of the church. Usually when contemporary Christians speak of the, uh, the prophetic function of the church, what they have in mind is uh, the Old Testament national Israel, which was God's covenant kingdom. Right. And therefore the, the king was subject to the prophet. He was anointed by the prophet, and he was confronted with God's law in the name of God. And that's not the prophetic function that we have. We don't, we don't have the right to go down to City Hall with our Bible and try to get, get our politicians to repent. All we want them to do is give us just laws, and what we want them to do is serve the community in large. We're not calling them to repent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, mean, I think I, that's yeah. very common. That's very common not, nowadays right. about the quote, the quote unquote prophetic voice yeah. of the church. It's basically mm-hmm. go bark, go bark, uh, go bark the, the minor prophets at the, at politicians. That's yeah. what, yeah. that's what they mean. And, and even as we go out, uh, claiming that they give us just laws, that becomes a little tricky there as well. In other words, uh, we, we know from, um, all reformers, so there was a distinction between government, church, and even uh, then the area of family. Uh, sometimes there's such an intermingling of uh, not just kingdoms, but spheres and the premises that we have bought into, because as Aldo was saying, you know, we speak of being 
worldly and just in ethical terms. But when we are co-opted by premises of the world, then right. we're going to infuse even our our horizontal righteousness with those premises. And that's very tricky. It can be very problematic for how we pragmatically look for things that are helpful in the world for neighbor by just co-opting a whole slew of programmatic uh, package of righteousness or justice that mm-hmm. may have nothing to do really with what we have been called to do and how to live in the world. But individually, as we are part of our, the, 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 uh, the kingdom of common grace, as we engage the institutions and those who rule and those who govern, Aldo mentioned our schools and so forth, we, when we engage as individuals, school boards and different things, it's with the purpose of education. We're, we're not trying to send people to heaven. That's not, that's not evangelism. That's, that's just yeah. us engaging. Yeah. And we want good schools. And so we're not trying to get, the, get in the open Bible clubs. No, no. We, <laughs> yeah. No, pray with your kids at home. And, you know, but, that, and, and but that's a perfect, yeah, perfect yeah. example. Then, then on the one hand, you have those that would say, oh, public school, that's it. Outside of that, that is capital cardinal sin. And then you have some that would say, hey, there's room for vouchers. There's room for yeah. uh, charter schools. There's room for other things that can help our neighbor. If you're locked into being co-opted by a particular allegiance to a programmatic way of looking at social justice, you cannot then have the freedom to see and analyze and see what things pragmatically may work or not. Because you've already been co-opted in a mindset that says this is the way of being. And it's not, it's not the law of God. Yeah. No, I, I was at a conference a number of years ago, and one of the brothers, very well-known guy, he made the comment that if you send your children to government schools, meaning public schools, the, you're, you're, sin in sin. you're in sin. <laughs> and I challenged him on that. You know, so the next morning we were at breakfast and I said, man, you know, you said that if I send my children to public school, then uh, I'm in sin. How? If, if I'm, if I'm catechizing uh, uh, my child, if I'm praying with them, if I'm grounding them in truth, and if I have confidence in the public school that, that my child is in, how is that sin? Aren't yeah, yeah. And that, yes. And that's the thing. Like, um, God, so we're going back and forth. We're saying, um, you know, this is inappropriate for, uh, for, for, for Christians and, 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 and this realm and the other realm. And so here's the thing, like, um, so I heard this one time about this conversation about school and, and, and Christian schools and prayer in schools. And I listen, schools are not under new covenant oversight. Right. So I, I don't want theology in schools that are not under new covenant oversight. Okay. Um, because what, what, when you, all, the second you begin to uh, install Christianity, Outside of the church institution that oversees Christianity, um, it, it means that all of a sudden you're going to have a Christianity that's not very Christian. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and so, uh, I, yeah, I, God has given the local church uh, for eschatological views and, and ethics. Um, and that is, it's not one of many venues. It is the venue. Um, and, and, and I think I, and furthermore, like I, I hear Christians, um, you know, say like, uh, well, I, I'm in charge of, uh, you know, of, uh, raising my kids in the Lord. You're in charge of your kids in the Lord, in the, in the context of oversight in the local church, not in the context of educational uh, frameworks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so so yeah, I don't I don't but, want my kids yeah. I, don't, I don't want I don't want my kids learning prayer from a public school. Right. No, I don't I don't want not only do I not want any anyone just praying over my child because I don't know what the convictions are of that teacher that's praying. I think one of the best things to happen is to remove prayer from the public schools. But furthermore, we have to also be concerned about our neighbors. 
what if I have um, a, there's a, there's a child in that classroom that is Jehovah's Witness or something, yeah. and they're forced to to uh, to but, be under a, a Christian prayer. I want to look out for the the, the civic yeah. rights of my neighbor as well. Yeah, but you don't even have to look. In other words, um, I think in a free society, then I, I think what we would do is we would just have the freedom, just the freedom if anybody wants to exercise you know, prayer as they wish, as they, as they uh, see fit to just go ahead and do it. The problem is that even, uh, even these days, um, you know, they just, once you're labeled or seen as a Christian, uh, you know, it, it's just coming down hard, hostile against uh, those that profess the name. But I guess that is the witness that we're called to give in the public sphere. But, but that yeah. witness that we are called to give is individually looking out for the welfare of our neighbors Absolutely. and contributing as much as we can to an orderly, peaceful society. That's and what so, we are supposed what, to do. What would, what would, what would, and what then would, suffering the wrath of those that, that would come against you as a result when they find out why you do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, think what would you, things, I think one of the things that, that you know, are not mentioned much and um, because we, we talk a lot about the church's role when it comes to bringing about common good uh, in society and in men, like when I read the when Individual I read Paul's, Christians, not the church. Right. Right. But when, when I read when I read Paul's epistles, man, like I don't I don't hear that language, you know, uh, for instance, when, when Paul speaks to the Thessalonians who are, you know, a, 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 a somewhat of a model church. Right. And and uh, and. and Paul commends them uh, for how they're for their brothers and sisters in Macedonia and Ikea, you know, and it's like, you know, the, the, the commanding is not, you know, how you, uh, you know, how you care for common good all over, you know, all over Asia or whatever. The command, the, the commanding is about how they care for their brothers and sisters, you know? And so I, I think that there is, there is a, uh, as opposed to thinking, man, the church is very inward and very focused on self. Uh, I, I, I think the church is very focused on outward. And the reason why it's focused on outward is because of this of this mentality. It's, it's kind of like the, the person who wants to go to Africa and be a missionary, uh, but they won't even speak to their neighbor uh, right. about mm-hmm. Christ. Well, it's the same way. Uh, I think the church is so focused on uh, common good and changing society and transforming the culture and doing all these wonderful things in the name of Jesus. Right. And, and, uh, but, but in reality, man, the church is to focus on brothers and sisters. The church is to focus on the common good of the church and as the church and as the church flourishes and we see, you know, men and women in poverty within the church uh, that are being taken care of by their brothers and sisters who have more means. And mm-hmm. as we see, you know, uh, those who are educated in the church, educating those who need education, you know, and as we see these things happening within the church, that in itself is a testimony of the, of the supremacy of Christ to the rest of the world. Hey, I, 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 to- I totally agree with that. I, I, I totally agree with that. But, but here's another, here's another, thought have you noticed something about unregenerate uh, people um that they all have a concern obviously like uh in in perfect uh, actually i i gotta cut off because there's noise in the background go ahead <laughs> well uh it's it's interesting you mentioned uh paul's letter to to the thessalonians one of the things that he commends them for is he says from you the word of god sounds forth Yes. Yeah. And and so I again, it, Aldo's distinction is an important one, institutionally versus individually. And to your point, though, Jose, we do begin um, with with serving as best we can those who are within the fellowship, even on temporal in temporal matters. That's mm-hmm. what we see in the book of Acts. That's what we see throughout the New Testament uh, that Paul is taking up a collection for churches that have been impoverished. So we do see that, but it's not either or. Right. It's not it's not that we only look out for our own, 
because we are connected to our neighbors simply because they are image bearers of God. And so we do have a responsibility as much as we can for looking out uh, for the good of our neighbor. All right. I'm back. I'm back. Uh Go ahead. Um. Uh, you know, pa- pandemic, uh, working from home, kids' noise issues. You know, sure. Um, <laughs> um, I was going to say it's interesting to me as to how obviously we do this imperfectly. Obviously, people are selfish, and obviously, people are negligent um, in this. But it's interesting to me that almost every image bearer um, is naturally inclined to be concerned for common good. Now we tend to, we, we tend to pick and choose what common good uh, is preferable to us, but I, I don't meet a whole lot of humans who need to be told uh, that some kind of um, social decency um, and is, is, is necessary. It's intuitive to us. We're wired um, with the covenant of works. And so I think one of the reasons why um, there isn't this, like, like Jose's bringing out, there isn't like this very large or even prominent conversation about common good. You'll, you'll see it mentioned. I mean, people take Galatians six, let us do good to all men. And they make it mm-hmm. sound like it's half the Bible. It's half of a verse in one book of the Bible is because it's the spirit. It's the spirit of the second table of the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. But I'm saying we don't, we don't, we don't need a Bible to tell us the second table of the law. We, 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 we know we have that hard wired um, into our uh, Adamic DNA. And what we do need as a church is to understand special revelation um, and what it means to live out of this redemptive narrative. Um, but you, you listen, if you know Christ and you know the gospel, uh, first of all, if you don't know Christ and you don't know the gospel, you will know common decency and common good and you will exercise it imperfectly. If you do know the gospel and you do know saving special good, I, I won't need to tell you, hey, by the way, stop being this, 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 uh, indifferent, um, common goods insensitive person and so there so I, I think the difference between our religion and and, and and a religion like Islam is that they need to tell you every single behavior you need to do yeah. in every single realm of society yeah. and like no we need look love is fulfillment of the law a, a person that is that is that is loving will intuitively know uh, what that looks like in yeah. the spheres of life. And, and 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 so 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 the, the focus of scriptures is not things that are common to us um, naturally or intuitively, but it's more things that are not common to us yeah. that need to be revealed supernaturally in the gospel story. And once you understand that, you will be able to make the connections, as opposed to let me make every connection for you, because you're this loveless, uh, heartless uh, person who needs to be um, endlessly policed. Yeah. by very specific externals. Well, and so I, I, I hear you. I hear you. And I, I agree with that in principle. But I do think that that which is intuitive to us, because we are corrupt, our intuition is sometimes flawed so that we don't see. And Jesus does this um, with his, his parable of, of the Good Samaritan. He asked, well, which one of these men was the neighbor? Right. Because mm-hmm. intuitively, mm-hmm. we think doing good it's okay to to maybe be a little um, well to to be unfair. We think that we're doing something fair. Our 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 sense of what is right and wrong and how it's to be extended, even as we speak to others and speak about others, it's tainted. So yep. I agree that and we have it, a basic sense of right and wrong, but that basic sense of right and wrong is also according to our corrupt nature. So yeah, and I, I, special but, revelation to and, give and, us a clearer view. The yeah, way I'm and, hearing, and, the way I'm hearing, Aldo, if I if I could, uh, the way I'm hearing you, it cuts both ways. I think we agree with Ken that we go out into the world to be informed by our, you know, our ethics, our Christian ethics, for the sake of neighbor. 
but also on the other side of the fence, as we are part of the world, maybe in sitting in boards, you know, in organizations and staff meetings and movers and shakers in the world, they sit um, by nature on Mount Sinai. So they're going to have the right. tendency to view things uh, in, in a hard, fast rule, righteousness or else. And then I think that's where we have the freedom to function in the in the in the realm of the world with with some flexibility. Say, hey, you know, th- this may not be all that is cranked up to be here. Yeah, yeah. Have you thought of the consequences of this? Yeah. Have you thought that you're taking this too far? Have you? Because at the end of the day, we do have, a, 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 you know, uh, um, in, in a way, certain blueprints for anthropology for societal for even for government we know what ultimately government is about and like it or not it's for bearing the sword beyond that it begins to get kind of iffy as we continue to add on and build up things to that and make it ultimate and say this is what justice looks like so i think we need to be able to and both sides of the equation speak and see that there are ramifications for good or bad yeah, yeah. Real, real quick. So to, to, what, to what Ken said, I agree. I, and here's what I would add is that the Pharisee didn't have, or, or whoever that person, teacher that did not have a, he understood that he needed to love neighbor, but he needed to understand redemption to understand um, how loving neighbor is eschatologically inclined to the glory of God. But he didn't oh, need sure. the church to understand the concept of loving neighbor. And that's what I'm saying. We, 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 and here's a, here's an example of what I'm talking about. And and maybe you guys disagree with me. I don't think the church needed to, uh, I think the civil rights movement in this country did not need the church. Um, what I mean by that is Malcolm X, uh, was not a Christian. Uh, he, he never professed Christ. He was a professing Muslim. And yet, he was a real efficacious catalyst to common good in America in the same way that, that, that Martin Luther, who was a professing Christian was. Um, and, and, but the, the idea, the idea is that, um, that common good is not intuitive. It's not natural. It's not normal. Uh, The church has to, uh, come in with this special revelation hmm. um, in, in, in the common world and, and make common good happen. But I'm saying in the civil rights movement, you had plenty of people that were not professing Christians that actually were essential catalysts to common good. And so that's what I mean is like in, in the world of, of common good and mm-hmm. common grace, there is, you know, you know, when somebody's hurting you have to pick this up in our next session, but let me just kind of wrap it up with this, that especially when you talk about the civil rights movement, principally, uh, it, well, I guess in a, from the big picture, you can say, well, on this end of history, we didn't need the church to do that. In principle, that's true. But given the, the, the circumstances of the time, the, the function, the, the part that was played by Christians, individual Christians who, who profess Christian faith and the physical church were important instruments. And it wasn't Malcolm wasn't able to get a voice until those who were committed to uh, the Christian faith were able to, to gain some kind of traction. So I understand the point because um People were critical of, of some of those in the civil rights movement. They said, well, you got communists who are involved. You know what? I don't really care what a person's political affiliation is. If we can, if, if their voice can be used to gain civil rights, because that's what we're talking about, civil rights, not ultimate issues, but civil rights. Uh, and so I don't care what a person's political or uh, theological convictions are, because we're not talking about doctrines of grace. What we're talking about is civil rights. And everyone whose civil rights were gained through that movement were not necessarily Christian. And those who advocated for it weren't necessarily Christian and didn't need to be. And that's fine. I understand that. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. not it's not the responsibility of the church to speak to the conscience of the nation as if there's going to be repentance nationally. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and but, so, but, and, notice, and, but notice but notice where we are today somehow that because uh maybe there was a certain well there everyone is for one particular goal and that is civil rights, but then the underlying communist uh ideas were not addressed. Uh now it seems like it's all part of the same package in a way. And Marxist ideas and culture and Marxism has become the norm of movements that identify against racism. I think that's very wrong and should be addressed. Well, well that's, not, 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 now you open up a, a, another whole long conversation. Yeah, we got to yeah, close. That, but 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 here, sure. let, let me let, let me say one thing to uh, what you said, Ken, just uh, before I forget. And that is that um, what the church has to be about is so you can be an unbeliever uh, who bears God's image um, and you can bring about common good without knowing anything about Jesus. But pertaining to like what we talked about, only the gospel can make people love each other in the name of Jesus in a brotherly, intimate, God-centered way. Oh, absolutely. Now, that's, and so that's something that we are irreplaceable and we are essential for when it comes yep. to common good. Um, <laughs> this may sound bad, but we're not necessary. We're not necessary for that to happen in no, many I, societies. I, I totally agree with that because yeah, yeah. the, the so, whole point of civil rights movement, we weren't trying to get people to love us. Just let me eat in the restaurant. <laughs> you know, it's not about trying to get you to love me. Only the gospel can change the heart, but don't forbid me what is allowed to other citizens. But we want to go ahead and wrap it up here. We'll pick up the, on this conversation uh, in our next session. Uh, again, if you want, if you have any questions about Saints and Sinners Unplugged, you can go to our website, saintsandsinnersunplugged.org. Uh, we look forward to being with you again next week at the same time. Nothing but the blood of Jesus.